round three. Here we go. <laughs> KO. Ah, delicious. Hello, world. Welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. It is a late Saturday night. I would rather not be spending this night with anyone else but the light of my life, the the sunshine of my mornings, Morgan Alonzo. How are you doing today, dear? I'm doing great, and I would just like that part to maybe be, like, cut into a snippet and sent to Ben electronically just so he could have that and realize that I'm better than him. But that's, that's for another day, but I'm doing great. I actually jokingly called Steven my boyfriend in our group chat, and he, like, hearted it. <laughs> He like in iPhone group chat, you can heart messages now, and he yeah. goes, "I think that's the first John, time John's ever said that publicly." I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but uh, it's been a it's been a busy weekend for you, especially my dear. Would you like to share with our audience what's been going on in your life? I, after 25 years of badassery and single childlessness, or whatever you want to call it, I am now a sibling, and I have a little brother. That's what's up. How? What is this fine gentleman's name? Maxwell Reed Garza. Max. Uh, I'm very happy. I'm very happy for your mother and Tommy. I'm very happy everything went smoothly. Me and Morgan had a long chat about how when a baby is coming, how stupid it seems. Like everyone around the parents become, except select individuals. But like. It just I, I, Morgan could tell you I was baffled. Like, how stupid are people? Like, I, I'm not okay. Stupid's the bad word because I don't want to call anyone stupid. But like, people just lose their minds when a baby is coming. Like, calm down, calm it's down. It's as if everyone becomes one collective brain, and then there's just this other person that's like the zookeeper, um, or as I felt, literally putting my bitch pants on. So that that Lizzo yeah. song came out. The DNA test came back, right? <laughs> Instead of why men great till they gotta be great, why my family's such a pain, I don't know. <laughs> They're all lovely people, but they all are very eccentric. Yes. I'm, that's great, man. I'm very happy for you. I, I'll say this. It took me a long time to realize that having my brother in my life, uh, I know it's not the same because he's two and a half years older than me and you're going to be 25. You're, you are 25, year, 25 years older than Max, but I couldn't imagine my life without my brother. I would be a lesser person without him in my life, and he is the most mm-hmm. important person in my life. Like he's the, he's my best friend, and I love him very much. Even though we don't always get along, we didn't get along for most of our lives, but I, I love him, and I'm so glad that I have him in my life. And I really hope that I know that you and Max will have that a very similar relationship. Well, I think Max already thinks we don't get along with each other because um, I had to uh, rewrap him in his swaddle multiple times, and he was cold and. Um, he definitely let me know that he was super pissed. And let me tell you, he is just as loud as me when he's pissed. So, <laughs> I will say, though, my brother has reminded me, and I think you better prepare yourself for this, I'm the favorite because I'm the not the baby, but, like, he never ceases to remind me that I am my, my, I am my mother's favorite. And I never forget to remind him as well. So are you prepared for Max to, like, take over as, like, you're, you're now second fiddle. You know that, right? We'll see. We'll see how it goes because, I mean, we'll we'll see. There's definitely going to be some checkpoints in his life where I'm going to (laughs) be like, well, you know, I handled it this way and um, it looks like I turned out better than you or something like that. So we'll we'll see. Little checkpoints. It's weird that that his niece is three years older than him. (laughs) 
Ben's dad does not understand that concept. It cracks me up every time he's like, oh, so that's Emmy's his aunt, right? I'm like, no, no, no. That's not how this works. That's not how that works and at every all. Every time Ben's mom is like, no, Dan. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. I'm so happy. Like, I, I bet I, I, I really don't like children, except children I like actually know and care about like children any. i like yeah but i generally i'm just in largely indifferent they're, they're basically house pets to me i'm like oh that's cute uh, <laughs> but i'm very happy for your mother and tommy because i know they're they, they are great people and i know they'll be even better parents so yeah for well, sure i actually <laughs> much less stakes here but i actually just finished i watched fleabag over this weekend and oh. i finished it tonight before we started recording and i gotta say man it's legitimate. Like, I, it's one of those shows where you're like, you hear all this hype, and it is, it's, it lives up to the hype. It is as good as its reputation uh, is known. So, I highly recommend it. It's, and it's, it's so breezy. It's two seasons, six, epi- six half hour episodes each. Brilliant. It's so easy to watch, and such, it's so good. The ending, Morgan, I'm not going to lie. The ending, I wasn't sad crying. But I got choked up, like, because it was such a perfect ending. And I think the show is done, so that's it. Damn, okay. Wait, you think it's done? Oh, I think she... Phoebe Waller-Bridge... I think she came out and said it's done. Like, she's just doing the two seasons. But it's on Amazon, so you should totally watch it. You could probably knock it out in, like, two days like I did. No, it's been on my list. I just... I didn't know that it was going to be done all right cool i'm gonna I'm go for it i mean your last recommendation I, veep was great so. I, I think you'll love this even more than veep because yeah, wow i think you'll relate to fleabag the name the character's name is fleabag they never actually say her name in the show uh i think that you will re- not not relate to her but you'll you'll she's more relatable than like selena meyer is you know what i'm saying <laughs> for i too am a fleabag no i'm kidding yeah well i would never call you that to your face dear but anyway so everyone who's aware this is the trilogy we are here for a purpose morgan we are here for chapter three part three we are here for the return of the jedi under the covers man this is this is we've been looking forward to this for like god ever since we finished episode two like we've been talking throughout this year like oh we got to talk about this song oh no we got to talk about that song on on the third one and now it's finally here morgan i am so excited better than the Hayden Christensen Star Wars yes it's definitely much better it will be better than Revenge of the Sith <laughs> so anyone not familiar I highly recommend you go back and listen to Under the Covers 1 which was was that volume 2 yeah that was volume 2 that is one episode I am one of I am the most proud of like I'm I, I, I like all the episodes more or less but that one was like that's one of the ones I'm like here this this is the quality like we found something in this uh <sighs> I like Under the Covers too a lot too, so I highly recommend anyone listening not familiar with the formats go listen to those two. But just as a refresher, if you you have no desire to go back, uh, Morgan and I pick three songs each. We present two different versions or three different versions of the same song, and we discuss it. And it's great, and we have so much fun doing it. Isn't that right? Yes. Because we learned a lot. We learned a lot song. about each one of these songs that we really enjoy. Or the fact that it's even a cover to begin with. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's amazing. And then you you learn, like, like I did some research today, and I just learned a whole bunch of shit about, like, well, this song was never that successful until this these people did it 20 years later, and then it became a hit, and then it's like, wow, okay. I don't know why it wasn't a hit to begin with, because it's a pretty good Same song. Same words, yeah. yeah no, it's, 
but as we'll learn, and ha- as we've demonstrated in the past, and as we'll learn on this episode as well, you know, slight tweaks can change a song completely. So, uh, but I'm just excited. I look forward to this one each year that we've done it. And I'm, uh, you know what? Next year, next volume five is the last volume. We got to do something really special for part four, or maybe we'll yes. do maybe we'll do a two parter or something like that. I don't know, but we'll we got to do something. <laughs> or maybe special. we'll write our own song. No, and perform them. I'm kidding. <laughs> maybe we'll do maybe you know what we should do maybe next time we should talk what? about what would this artist sound what would a cover of this song sound like if it was done by this artist? You know, like, okay. Like if you were to say like, what if Lizzo did a a cover of. Uh, hey Ya by Outcast or some wild shit like that. Just off the top I mean, of my head. that would I would I would I would absolutely listen to that. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe we'll do that for uh volume for part four, but we are on part three tonight. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So my song is up first. Everyone listening, all of the links and all of the sources will be in the episode description. Please don't sue me. I'm not making any profit off of this episode. I swear. Or me, I'm the guest. Yeah, Don't exactly. Sue me. No, they would sue me, dear. Uh, so okay. I think that I, we're we're just discussing this. I'm making no money. I will put links in in the show description for anyone who would want to buy the songs, stream the songs, however you want to make your money. Record companies, just please don't sue me. I have no money, and please, because because I, I I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go to trial because like I, that, that seems like a hassle. Anyway, <laughs> so first song up. I told you, Morgan. I wanted to do this, these songs, these two songs last year, but we 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 stuck to three last year, and this made this just this was the honorable mention. Like this was like, damn, I wish I could fit this one in, but I'll save it for this year. Giggity. Giggity. <laughs> uh, so, our first song that we're going to discuss. Maybe people are aware of it, maybe or not. Uh, I think they're more familiar with the Annie Lennox version. But it is No More I Love Yous. Originally done by The Lover Speaks. It was written by David Freeman and Joseph Hughes, who were the two band members in The Lover Speaks. They're, you know, they're not really that well known. They were this, like, one-hit wonder new wave band from England. I, I love this song. But again, I first heard the Annie, Annie Lennox version, and then I found out later on that this that it was a cover. So let's give a listen to the Lover Speak version, and then we'll discuss that one a little bit, and then we'll talk about the Annie Lennox version. Okay, let's go. I really wish people. Well, maybe I don't. Maybe I do. Maybe I. Maybe I do wish. I just was lip syncing to it because I fucking love this song. Uh, it is such a great song to me for various reasons. But just to talk about it a little bit, I really love the the female vocals in it. The I guess the sample, the repeating. Uh, it was done by uh, jo- Joseph Hughes, one of the band members' ex girlfriend, uh, June Miles. Uh, Kingston, she provided the vocals, and I really, I think that might be what my favorite part. But also, I really love the guitar in it because I think that, 
like I'm really big. You know this, and people listening know this. I'm a big '80s music fan, and I really love synth, and I really love electronic guitars and songs, and I love, I just love this song because like it's this new wave hidden gem, and I'm just such a big fan of the genre and the in the period of music. But it's also very somber. Like it's a pop. Like they did that in the '80s a lot. Like a lot of the pop songs were like secretly depressing because i really think this song is like a sad song what do you think morgan where, yeah. where are you coming from because you i don't think you had never heard the ver- this version of the song until i brought it up no to you. i was about to ask too so was that one popular at all like did it make any any type of commercial success uh let me um you keep talking and i'll look it up all right okay so that one from what i heard actually i i prefer that now you're gonna show the other one the one that is you know pretty famous which i thought was the original um, I like the original better. I, I think I think I would jam to that one a little bit more, honestly. But that could also be because I've, I've heard the other one so much. But um, I it, think I feel a little bit more with the first one. So it charted in the UK and the US, but it charted on the singles chart in the UK. It got up to 58, and it got to uh, not Billboard, but the US cash box top 100 singles. So it didn't really make that much noise. Yeah. I know you're going to talk about the second one, but I really kind of want to see why you think the second one did better. Uh, I'll get into that when we when we move on to it, but I just want to say I totally agree with you. Like I think this example and we've talked we've encountered this in the past. It's not always the case, but it is of finding out a song you kind of dig is a cover and going back to the original and thinking that the original I'm just gonna just gonna say it now, and I'll I'll I guess I'll discuss it. I'll discuss further when we talk about the Annie Linux version. Well, I think this one is vastly superior. Like I'm like this. Yeah. This is incredible. Why is this not a bigger deal? Yeah. I, it the whole at the end of it, and I encourage everyone lis- t- listening to this podcast to actually listen to the entire song because at the end there's a breakdown where it's the guitar and it's like. I was just like this it is so my jam it's like when you know when you're listening to a song and you know like the best part comes on and you like if you weren't already listening to the song at like full volume you're like gotta jack it up now gotta go to 11 on this one right now because it's just it's got this like it's somber and it's sorrowful but it's so upbeat and catchy and it's just the music video is also really good. I highly encourage everyone to watch that as well because it's very like it's very thematically shot and it's it's interesting. I really I, I really I also dig the music video as well. I just love it. Like I was like I, it's it I listen to it very regularly. Like I keep an active playlist of like songs I listen to on the regular and it's it's up there, man. It's so good. Oh. Um, what, what what do you do? You have anything else to say before we move on to the Annie Linux version? Oh no, I'm good. I'm I'm ready for this one because I definitely have a lot to say about this one. Okay, let's let's listen to the Annie Linux version. Uh, it came out in 1995 on her Medusa album. Uh, in 1996, the one, this song actually won Annie Linux the Grammy Award for Best Jesus. Female pop, pop Vocal Performance. So let's give it a listen and let's discuss it. Okay, Morgan, you you were eager to discuss this version. Go right ahead, ma'am. 
I'm so sorry. The first couple things I'm going to say are just going to be such a slam. Okay. To this, to this song, A, this is what Sade is going to turn into in like 20 years. Man, why you got to, <laughs> what is that, what is this like throwing shade at Sade? That, that was completely unnecessary. Don't even get me wrong. I love Sade. That was completely that... unnecessary, man. <laughs> Don't at me. No. Okay. Um, but I think, honestly, so to me, okay, again, same lyrics. Yeah. Um, basically, same meaning behind it, same emotion, but, uh, I mean, Annie Lennox voice, I mean, you actually sound like, you feel like you are Annie Lennox. Like, you feel like you're crying alone mm. in your bed, eating ice cream, rain's falling down on the window seal. you're in your favorite pajamas, Um but the first song to me sounds like you could jam to your car in it and not be yes. embarrassed. Yes. This one's more of a private song. This is like you are doing this one hand covering your face crying and you don't want anyone to see you. Yeah. And then lastly, the yeah, that yeah. will haunt me for the rest of my fucking life. I literally can't listen to that version of a song. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't like it. Like I I I I was uh, it was fine to me, but until I heard the original and like I said, what's her name? The band member's girlfriend, June Miles Kingston. Like her version of the of the repeating background vocals are so much better. Like it's hard to imagine like saying that woman's voice is better than Annie Lennox. That's not something you say very right. often. But it's so much better in the original. Like it's so much it's it it, it is distracting in the Annie, in her version, like in the 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 newer version and I'll just say this. I wrote a few notes on it. Um, there's a, it is largely the same. Not a lot is tweaked, but it is a slight reworking of the song, and it does create a different feel for me. And I, I agree with you. But I I think it's too playful. Like I think that it has an ethereal kind of fantasy like vibe, especially around like the two and a, two minute fifty mark. Yes. Anyone listening, it starts devolving into this like fairy tale kind of sounding. You, yes. you know, if anyone anyone who's listening to the song will know what I'm talking about. And I think it's distracting. It takes me out of it because I think it is a somber song. I don't actually I, I it feels like a somber song, but it also can be construed as a happy song. Like basically the original says, and I'm quoting uh, David Freeman here, he said, Lyrically, when you say to someone I love you, it could be to your kids, your lover, your parents, usually you hear I love you too. And then one day you say, I love you, and there's a silence because that person has reached the no more I love you stage. They cannot say I love you. It's as simple as that. I don't really know what that means, Morgan. Did you peel anything from that? Yeah, absolutely. What did, what did you... I thought that I was... I didn't know... It feels like a somber sentiment, but I guess it could be happy? Where, where did you fall down on that one? I, I see it 50-50. It could be a power thing. Like, you finally have enough power to, to move on. No more I love you. Like, okay. we're... We're not going to give into this anymore. We're going to move on. Or the fact that, you know, you're the person that's waiting for the I love you back and it doesn't come back. Yeah, I'm le- I guess I lean more towards you. It's kind of like, I-, I guess you were like, you could argue that it's like, there's no more I love you's as in your relationship. You've been together so long. It's just understood. There's no necessary reciprocation or uh, yeah. expressed reciprocation. It's just understood. Or it's the fact that we've been in this relationship so long that... I can't honestly say I love you back because I don't know if I do, which is a terrible thought. It's just, and it's like, I think the the first version captures that better. The, the Annie Lennox version, I got, it's too, it's too playful. It's too, it, it, and both songs feel like they're of each decade. Like the first one feels like a song, an 80s song, definitely. And this one feels like a 90s song. 
Yes. And I, I, I don't. It, it doesn't really. It's, it's off putting now. Like I'm like, uh, I'll, I'll listen to it. Like again, I will. I'll listen to it if it was on the radio or something like that, or if it came on my shuffle. But I, I the Lover Speak version by far is the better version in my book. The Annie Lennox version is you're in Hallmark. Yes. Because your grandma brought yes. you in there, yes. and you're looking for an ornament. And that just came on after Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. And you've yeah. already looked at the exit four times. <laughs> uh, not to – I totally agree, but I just want to answer – I just want to put this question out there for you. Do you think – I guess you could say this about a lot of different covers, and maybe we've addressed this in the past. I can't remember off the top of my head, but obviously it's a male singer in the first version, and then uh-huh. Annie Lennox is a female. Do you think that changes anything for you? Like I feel like they're talking about – Sorry, but I feel like they're talking about a woman in this situation. Uh, so does that change anything for you at all? Interestingly, for this song, no. Okay. I think it can, yeah. but not for this one. We're about, to touch on a, we're about to touch on a song that, that I think there's an argument can be made in the next song we discuss. But I just wanted to ask you if you thought it might have in this case. So then literally my only thought is I think the Annie Lennox just came out at a better time where the song worked. Yeah, I think that... She's obviously more famous. She had a career with the Eurythmics. She's a bit, like I, I put this on my notes as you saw. She's clearly the better singer, like clearly. Yeah. But the production of the first version, I think, is the better. I think it's an overall better package. But yeah, she's more famous. She's, she's more talented. And I mean, this I, it won her a Grammy. And it was a hit. But I mean, you know, it's it's not the greatest song ever. But like, it's it's a good song. But it definitely feels very '90s, like very like soft power ballad. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think that's going to do it for this one. Do you want to move on to the next one? Any any closing remarks on that one? Um, I guess Annie Lennox, if for some reason, you know, you were listening to this, A, sorry. B, sorry, just had basically a rage fest over your version of a song. And um, lastly, also sorry to the listeners because that was a long discussion for us. That was <laughs> basically a jerk fest yeah. on those two songs. <laughs> well, <laughs> but... As we've said in the past, we're not going to pick two songs that we don't like. Like, that would just be <laughs> stupid, like, to pick two songs that were like, let's talk shit about these two versions of a song for, like, 15 minutes. Like, that, I mean, that's not very interesting. But... <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the next version. This was your song that you picked. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so do you want to set it up? You want to go ahead? No, you you, you go ahead. I'll, I'll dive in after. Normally, I kind of get my, my juices flowing, and that sounds so gross. I'm sorry. Okay. After you talk. So this is a this is another song I didn't know it was a cover. So in the course of our research, you and I had some confusion about these songs. We yes. listened to three different versions of the same song, and after some research, we cleared it up, and we'll explain it while we're going along. But the song is Valerie, uh, originally done by the Zootons, or the however the fuck they I guess it rhymes with Crouton. I don't know. Zootons. <laughs> uh, they're an English band. This song originally came out on Tired of Hanging Around in 2006. It was written by Abby Harding, Boyan. Chowd Hurry, Dave McCabe, Russ Pritchard, and Sean Payne. That is a lot of fucking people. Yeah. Uh, so let's give the original version of song, the original version of the song, a listen. And I'm sure people are more familiar with the the more recent covers. But let's get to the original first. All right, let's give it a listen real quick.
Okay, so let me give a little bit of a background on the history of this song, and then I'll let you discuss, all right? Okay. Okay, so lead singer David McCabe described the writing process of the song as, I can tell you I was inspired by gazing out across the, the Mersey or walking past Macca's ho- old house, which is Liverpool. That's Paul McCartney's old house. But the truth is I got the idea on the, in a cab on the way to my mom's. On my, to my mom's. I said it like I was British or some shit. <laughs> the whole song was written before I got there, so 20 minutes max. In June 2019, the subject matter of the song was revealed to be a celebrity makeup artist, Valerie Starr, who explained that she met Dave McCabe and how she got arrested for driving on a suspended license. So that's a little bit of context. How, Morgan, this was your song. How do you feel about this original version? I like it. Okay. And I think the reason why I like it is, and I'm sure we can dive into it a little bit more once we listen to the other two versions, is every version is a standalone. Okay. So again, same lyrics, mm-hmm. probably same meaning. I would disagree, but I'll, we'll, we'll discuss that when we talk about the other two versions. Yeah, but it's a standalone. So to me, like, I don't have to compare and say I like one more than the other, per okay. se. Right. I'm able to, to separate them, but I dig it. Because, I mean, that's that's the style of music I like, like when I'm cleaning my house and stuff like that. And um, it's interesting to hear it from that perspective because, I mean, I, I am used to, which I know we'll get into, the Amy Winehouse version of it. So yeah. um, I like it. I'm not as high on it. If it, it feels, it sounds funkier and it sounds rockier, but it also feels unpolished and it doesn't linger with okay. me. It feels disposable. It it feels very meh and it just feels like another early two thousands alt rock song. Like I was just like, wow. It, it just doesn't. It didn't linger with me. It just felt very like, oh yeah, I remember that song. And also the way he says Valerie feels okay, odd. I will, I will agree with because that because I'm like so used to the it. other versions. Yeah. It just it doesn't wow. it doesn't rise to this like it doesn't rise to this upper threshold I guess if that makes any sense. So do you think if you if it's one of those like you know how like a, a song will come out and it's big and it's popular or maybe it isn't and you listen to it and you're like why do people listen to this like this is absolute just crap like for example bad guy by Billy Ellis or however you say her name I did not understand Eilish. that song I thought it was stupid yeah. okay. You hear it 355 times, and then you notice that you're singing it, you're thinking about it, mm-hmm. and you want to jam to it when you get home and listen to it two or three times. Do you think that you would ever do that with that song, or you really just think it's just whatever? It's just whatever for me. Like, it just, it literally, it feels like I could have listened to this song when it first came out in 2006, and I never would have ever remembered hearing it. Huh. It just okay. it's not ba- okay, it's not bad. It's just another song for me. It's like I'm not saying it's it. trash. Like it's just eh just a modicum of meh, okay, cool. <laughs> but let's talk about the other two versions. So you and I okay. were a little confused about this, but so let's break this down real quick. There are two versions that we both wanted to talk about. One is Mark Ronson, producer, musician. He released a version that appears on his 2006 version album, an, an album of cover versions with retro-inspired sound, which Mark Ronson described as Motown slash uh, Stax. I guess that's, like, I don't know exactly what that means, but Motown-y sound, like a very retro-inspired. So this version, featuring Amy Winehouse uh, as vocals, uh, came out on that album, but... Winehouse also recorded a jazzy acoustic version for Radio 1, that's the BBC Radio 1's Live Lounge, which was issued at the same time as the Ronson collaboration and in a hit in its own right, possibly due to download confusion, 
though it was the Ronson version that got airplay. I'm lifting this completely from Wikipedia. Please don't accuse me of plagiarism. I'm putting it up front. Yes, I'm just, I peeled all this information from the Wikipedia page. I'm lazy. I'm not writing a term paper here. Uh, but that totally makes sense, though. Like how you just explained it and it, how it could have possibly gotten its popularity. Not that they're not good in their own right. Yeah. Totally makes sense, though. Okay, so let's listen to the Mark Ronson featuring Amy Winehouse version. We'll take mm-hmm. a break and then we'll listen to the her solo version. Okay, so let's give that, let's give them a two listen, all right? And I miss your tender hair and the way you like the dragons. I want to come on over and stop making a fool out of me. Why don't you come on over, I don't know how you can listen to that version and not dance. Mm-hmm. I was dancing while I was playing. Me too. Uh, all right, so let's listen to her solo version, and then we'll discuss both versions. And I miss your tender hair and the way you like the daggers. I want you to come on over. Stop making a fool out of me. Why don't you come on over, Valerie? So it was noted in the Wikipedia page that I read for this song uh, that Ronson's production of the cover is based around the beat from the Jams 1982 number one, Town Called Malice, which I did give it a listen. Uh, sounds very similar to his version. So oh, wow. I'm not saying he's he, – he gives it credit, so I'm not saying he stole it, but it's definitely influenced heavily by that song. So I encourage everyone to oh. listen to that one as well. I'll uh, If I remember, I'll put that one – Put that song in the episode description so people can listen to it. Uh, I'll just say this. The slower version has more depth. I'll let you have the last word on this, so I'll just get my piece out the way. I think the slower version, her version, is much more soulful. But as I was saying, I don't know how you listen to the Mark Ronson version, the collab version. Let's call it the collab version. I don't know how you listen to that and not dance. So I think it's way more fun and sticks with me. I think I like that version better. Please, go ahead. I know I just talked a whole bunch of crap and was like, I'm not going to necessarily compare and blah, 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 but that's all going through the window, so just forget that I said that. But um, I think it's interesting that, again, we're saying one's a collab, one's more of her, you know, live. Same person. Mm -hmm. Obviously, same vocal ability. Yeah, absolutely. Completely different tonality in the way that she used her voice. Yes. And different backup music. So, I mean... It, it's literally the same song, but it's it's different. And I mean, so this, the one that you played, the collab, that's the one that I mean, I, I feel like when people are saying, oh, Valerie by Amy Winehouse, I think they're saying yes. that's the one. Yes. Um, so, I mean, that that is the most popular one. Uh, that's the one that I think of whenever you would say that also. But I think if I was wanting to listen to it, I probably would listen to the live one. And that's just because her voice is so great and it's such a warm and feely song and the other one's more uh, the best way i can think of it is like the the collab one's like high school yeah type sounding to me like very like you know let's dance let's have fun yeah yeah and then the the other one the 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 solo one is more like 
mature love. Okay, let me hit you with two questions. Okay. What's your history with Amy Winehouse? I'm not her biggest fan. I was never that big of a fan. But really? What is... I, I, I'm not I'm not denying she's talented, I'm, or she was talented. You know, she's she's deceased. You know, God rest her soul. But like, I was never like that big on her. Uh, so, what is your history with her? And also, I did want to ask you about in the original, it's a man singing, and this, it's a. I think it's from the female perspective. At least, if we're basing it off singers, how do you think that changes the tone? As we discussed with No More I Love You. So, your your history so- with Amy Winehouse first, of course. History would be, I mean, yeah, I had the Back to Black album, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I've listened to it front to back, my mom and I did, and I mean, the writing on it is amazing, her voice is amazing on it, it's very catchy, and I definitely get moods where I listen to it now. Yeah, I mean, I I liked her. It's hard for me to, I I find that like whenever I want to listen to stuff, I, I do tend to listen to more male bands or more singers that are male and i don't know why but she was a person like i would get in the mood and i would want to listen to amy winehouse's album and i would listen to it and i would jam i'll just and repeat songs i'll just put it this way i have the only song of hers that i have is rehab and that was because it was featuring jay-z that's literally the only reason you never listened to back to black or Mm -hmm. mr jones no i have not yeah, so you're doing yourself a disservice. You can't. No, uh, I'm not accepting your answer of it's. Yeah, no. I didn't say she was bad. I just never got into her. Like I was never. Yeah, that's because you didn't listen to like the really good stuff. Okay, I I will make an effort. She's on the list. I will do a deep dive on Amy Winehouse at some point. But please, so yeah. so what do you think about the perspective? Okay, I'm gonna be honest. So whenever I listen to Amy Winehouse's version, I don't sit there and go, "Okay, the song's Valerie." And talking about a girl, oh, is she actually talking about a girl, or is she just talking about the figurative girl, or what does that mean? I listen to them and just kind of listen to them and feel like, you know, somebody obviously has affection for someone. Mm-hmm. So I, there's more of a connection to the Valerie um, one by Amy Winehouse, just because I, I do know that one better. Mm-hmm. But I think also... I feel better when I listen to that one. Okay. So I, I guess I would say that there's more sentiment to that one than the male version, which, I mean, sucks that I'm saying that because that's the original. <laughs> but um, I would say the Amy Winehouse version's the, the better one. I'll, <laughs> I'll just say this. The Zootons version, or Zootons, however it is, it feels like it's obviously a man talking about a woman. But I, I always held that it might be for the Amy Winehouse versions, the two versions that she did, the collab and the solo. It feels like she yeah. might be self-referential, knowing her history as well, but like, just even if it was another singer, like, I feel like a female singer, it could be self-referential. Like, she would be like, oh, Valerie, when am I ever going to learn? Like, she's talking about herself, you know? But the male Got perspective it. feels like she he's talking about a girl he knows, clearly, because that's how the song, he based off that girl he knew, that makeup artist. Uh, but it feels like he's talking about maybe a sister, a wife, a you know, a lover, a girlfriend, whatever. But in in the the context of an Amy Winehouse version, it feels very referential. I always took it as referential, self-referential. Yeah, I guess maybe I did too and didn't realize it because, like I said, I don't think I've ever thought that she was talking about someone else. Yeah. Or and maybe that's just because I, I just didn't really think about it. Maybe it, it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I agree with that completely. So. Okay, yeah. so this is your song. Any last last words on this one? Not necessarily about Valerie, but more of don't be like John and actually listen to Amy Winehouse. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't like her. I just said I never got into her. And then if also someone is listening to this, and if there's any way that um, 
take a look at John's handle and let him know how to actually say that band's name, Zootons, or however you say it. Please. We would really like to know that. I think it's <laughs> Zootons, Zootons, whatever. Who knows? Ben's going to listen to this and get pissed because he knows <laughs> who that band is because whenever I was like trying to find stuff, I was like, oh, Ben, here's my songs. And he was like, oh, that's the insert, however you say this correctly, name of band. And I was like, oh, yeah, haha. Oh, man. Well, please text me, Ben. Anyway, or call me, whatever. (laughs) Okay, so that's going to do it for Valerie. We're going to move on to the next song. We're taking our time with all these songs, so we don't have a questionnaire. So we got a little bit of a leeway to go a little long just in the discussion part of this episode. So let's move on to the next one. This is one of mine. Another song I really love, another 80s song, The Promise, by originally done by Win and Rome. They're an English band. came out on their self-titled album in 1987, but it wasn't released in the U.S. until 1988. It was written by Clive Farrington, Michael Florial, I hope I'm saying that right, and Andrew Mann. Uh, the song was on their debut LP and was an instant hit, reaching 11 on the Billboard Top 100. However, unfortunately, uh, for better or for worse, I guess, it turned out to be their only hit. So let's give it a listen and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. When you're in danger, take a look all around. And I'll be there. Okay, so I we actually have a it has a personal history with us. Uh, I heard it the first the first time I ever heard this song was at the grocery store that shall not be named that we, you and I both worked at, and immediately I heard it. I was like, "What is this? Why have you I never, never heard-, heard that?" Prior to that, I think I was eighteen or nineteen when I started working wow. there. Yeah, I don't know. It just never it never it ne- I never crossed paths with it. It's new wave and it's it's a it's a new wave synth pop jam and as i've stated with the lover speaks version of no more i love yous i'm a huge fan of that time period of music especially english new wave you know the singing eh the the chorus is what gets me i think the chorus is what kills it the harmonizing of the chorus because all three members sing in the in the chorus but like the verses the singing kind of gets kind of goofy at points but i really dig the combo of the piano the synths and the drum machine it's a song I can dance to, which I love. Any song that I can dance to immediately is endeared to me. And the subject matter has resonated with me at times. I've had on, I've frequently, as Morgan has, has, as I've shared with Morgan off, off pod, like in our personal lives, I've, I've dealt with some unrequited love and some rejection and some heartbreak. So I, I connect to this song. Morgan, uh, it's definitely a shower song. And Morgan knows I have shower songs. Uh, I'll just say this. It also weirdly feels like a predecessor to I'm Gonna Be by the Proclaimers. You know, I'll walk 500 yeah, miles. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I feel about this song. Morgan, how do you feel about this song? So I actually have no complaints about it. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Um, it also makes me sad that it's a one-hit wonder, but there's nothing wrong with one-hit wonders. You did your job. Yeah. But lyrically, I love it because I think it's very brutally honest. Yeah. And I appreciate that. But I mean, oh, no, I God, I have no complaints about it. I love beginning to end for yeah. it. It's very innocent, I feel like. The, it, the, 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 I feel like the, the, the perspective it's coming from is an innocent, innocent, pining love for, like, you know, maybe a crush or something like that. 
And, you know, as we'll discuss in the next version, I think the next version goes deeper. But this is very – it's a very fun song. And, and although, again, it's kind of sad, but it's also, like, it's catchy and it's fun. So Fun at uh, someone's misfortune. Yeah, it's fun at someone's <laughs> – but you were late. Like, you're dancing, but you're crying on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> or not on the inside at all. <laughs> yeah, on the in- Yeah, for real. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next version. Not, I think I don't think there's a lot to say about it other than, like, it's it's pretty great. I think it's – it's in my 80s playlist mix. I hear it when I listen to 80s music elsewhere, and I'm just like, yeah, this is, a, this is a great song. I really dig this song. So let's move on to the next version. I've heard two other, besides the one we're about to discuss, I've heard two other versions of The Promise. Uh, Blue October does a version, does an acoustic version, which I really enjoy. I, I encourage people to listen to that version. And Newfound Glory, I don't know if kids these days know who Newfound Glory was, but I really dug them when I was a teenager. They did a version of it, and I, I like it. It's not as good as like the Blue October version or the version we're about to discuss, but I still dig it. Um, but the next version is a very good version. I think, not to tip my hand here, Morgan, but I think that while the first song we discussed of mine, the original was better than the cover, I think this cover, as hard as it is to believe, is better than the original. And this version is The Promise by Sturgill Simpson. It was uh, off his Meta Meta Modern Sounds and Country Music. It came out in 2014. A little background on Sturgill Simpson because I'd never really – I'd heard his name, but I hadn't listened to his music. So Sturgill Simpson is a country singer from Jackson, Kentucky, and he's released four albums to date. Earlier this year, he recently won a Grammy for his third album. I first heard this version in The Leftovers, the HBO TV series, because it played – I binged through that earlier in this year. Really dig that show, by the way. I don't think it's for everybody, but I enjoyed it. Uh, if you like Lost, you might like it. Uh, Damon Lindelof did it. Anyway, I, I first heard it and I was like, oh my God, I got to listen to this song fucking 12 times in a row. Uh, so let's give it a listen and we'll discuss it. Take a look all around. And I'll be there. I'm sorry, but I'm just thinking of right I know they don't sound the way you planned them to be But if you wait around while I'll make you fall for me I promise, I promise you I will Okay, Morgan, I'm going to let you go first because I have a monologue built ready for this version of the song. So please go ahead. I think it is interesting that you have even listened to that song because to me it reeks of country. Yeah. And I never thought that you would listen to something like that. So yeah. that that's also a shocker. Yes, I think it's good. Um, but I'm I'm waiting for it to speed up. What about the ending? <laughs> it, it, yeah, no, it's great. It, it's it. Yeah, there's a lot of feeling and emotion in it. I think I just like the the original too much, just because I I, I don't know. I, to me, it's perfect. Hmm. Huh. But it is good. Yeah. I I respectfully disagree and let me explain why. Uh Okay. You're you're absolutely right. Country's not really a, a genre of music that I I I in, enjoy very often. Uh but I do enjoy some of it. Uh, I did grow up my mom she's not the like she's not a country music fan, but she likes a lot of country music. Actually I don't really I don't really know how I would classify her, but that's a conversation for off for off the air um so i like shania twain everyone likes shania twain she did like shania twain i like shania twain that album was amazing uh let's go girls man i feel like a woman uh anyway uh (laughs) i feel 
the closest analogy or the closest uh, example I can compare this version to is the Johnny Cash version of Hurt, which we discussed oh, in episode one. I knew it was one. coming. I knew it was coming. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Again, Johnny Cash's version of Hurt is not the original. It's a Nine Inch Nails original version. Uh, but nobody cares about that song because the Johnny Cash version is so much better. Mm, okay. <laughs> I think that the Sturgill Simpson of The Promise is amazing. Like, I feel like it has su- it is such a sad, soulful country ballad. It, it has minimalist, like, country's music's known for this. There's this minimalist feel in production, which is, like, the best kind of country music, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He sounds like he's on the verge of tears throughout the entire song. Like he found, he sounds like he's fighting it back. Like throughout the entire song, his voice, I I would agree, it's very slow build, but I think he's like he's he's repressing it, and then it unleashes it. it the the dam breaks at the end. The guitar break right before that happens is, it feels so measured and it's so effective. And it gives us time to breathe and contemplate like the feelings we're feeling during this version of the song. I got deep into the song. I fucking love this version of the song. And the, again, the chorus at the end, I didn't use that part of the song because like out of context, that, that feels like, is he shouting throughout this entire song? No, that is the culmination. And it feels so cathartic. And it's just a release, in my opinion, of like pure emotion. I really, I wish I could sing just so I could sing a song this well. Like, I'm like, again, I, I first heard this song when I was kind of going through a little bit of uh, some heartbreak on my own. So it might have, that might, I'll acknowledge, that might have, an, that might have had an effect. But this, while the, while the When in Rome version feels kind of more pure and more, you know, a teenage love, a more innocent crush kind of love, this feels like, broken up with my wife or girlfriend of years and I'm still here for you baby if you still just give me another chance just give me another chance what do I have to do to prove you mean country yes pretty much country music (laughs) (laughs) I don't know man am I am I am I reading too much into it am I diving too into too deep into this song Morgan what do you think I have two questions for you actually so is this your Annie Lennox like, is this how I described any limits? Like, you're alone, you're in your, yes. your comfy PJs, it's raining out. Okay. It wouldn't be wow. raining and I wouldn't be in PJs, but I would... It's more like I'm lying in bed, like I've just woken up, and I'm just, like, thinking about my day, and I'll I'll listen to this song. Or, like, I'm on a car ride after a long day of work. Like, this... Man, this song... It's so good. It's so good, Morgan. I, what was your other question? I'm sorry other question it sounds to me like this would be in comparison to some time around midnight by airborne toxic yes. fit oh great pull. great pull <laughs> that it, i get that one like if you listen to it and like if you haven't listened to that one in a long time and sorry i'm going off on a tangent here for a second yeah like you're like why the fuck did i like this song like this dude's just like fucking angry like what the he's fuck hurt. you he's know hurt. and then you like hear that the part at the end and you're like yeah fuck her fuck that shit who the fuck is she fuck her so i mean i i guess that's that's kind of what this was at the end maybe not necessarily a fuck her but um yeah because he's, uh, he's so even keel throughout all of it and at the end he just i'm sorry and he just lets it go and i just i got i 
I again, I was like, I heard this song on that TV show, and I was like, I gotta listen to this song like twenty times in a row because it was just, it's so good. Like, I know I keep saying that I'm broken record, and no pun intended, but like, I'm just, it just amazes me. Like, damn, it's like, how can you take a song that's already we agreed is great, and just make it shift it a little bit and make it even better? Like, how? how and I don't even think he did anything that like exceptionally. He didn't do any. The t- he didn't do anything to the song that was like, yeah, it sounds like a country song, duh. But like, it just takes it to a new level for me, man. To me, it sounds like he just drank a couple brewskis. He's out <laughs> on the back porch and he's like, yes. "All right, this one's for you, Mama." Yeah. And then he just, you know, does yeah. it, and you're sitting there, the one man audience, just fucking losing your shit. Just like pub- public, publicly grown man crying, like, yep. You damn right I'll do anything to get you back. And he's yelling at the end to try to scare you. <laughs> and he's like, I'm just like, yes, queen, yes. <laughs> he's your Lizzo. Oh. oh, man. I actually haven't listened to it. I haven't listened to a lot of his other stuff. But, again, I have so many artists on my list. I'm like, oh, I got to get around to listen to their stuff. But I'm like, oh, fuck, there's so much shit to listen to and so much shit to watch. Uh, but it's good. Um, again, I think it's an... While the first song I did, I thought the cover was not as good as the original, and I just think this cover's much better than the original, which is hard to say because I like the original very much as well. Oh, wow. Okay, so let's move on to a pretty popular pick. This was your song. I think a lot of people have heard at least one version of this song because it was a pretty big hit in the 80s. So we're going to talk about Tainted Love. I'm stoked about this one. Okay, so... I didn't know this was a cover. Did you know this was a cover? No, I had no idea. Yeah. Okay, so uh, uh-huh. okay, so the original is done by an artist named Gloria Jones. She's an American singer and songwriter from L.A. who found success in the U.K. being recognized there as the Northern Queen of Soul. As titles go, Morgan, that's a pretty badass title if I say so myself. <laughs> Entering and all hail the northern queen of... (laughs) Queen of the north! Anyway, uh, so for anyone not aware, Northern Soul is a music and dance movement that emerged in northern England in the English Midlands in the 1960s from the British mod scene based on a particular style of black American soul music, especially from the mid-1960s with a heavy beat and fast tempo. So it's basically like their version of Motown, like that sound. So let's, I love it. Uh, she recorded the original version in 1964. The song was written and produced by Ed Cobb. It was the B-side of her 1965 single, My My Bad Boy's Coming Home. It didn't chart and was considered a flop. That's. Let's listen to it and we'll discuss that, all right? Okay, so let's give it a listen. I toss and turn, they can't sleep at night. to you. I know they had a lot of good music coming out in that time frame. I mean, that's an understatement. But that's a fucking jam, dude. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, I'm, I am mad for her. That is a, that is a bop. <laughs> so she re-recorded the song in 1976 on her album, Vixen, which I gave it a listen. I don't know if you were aware of that, but I'll try and include that version as well in the show notes. I listened to it. It's a slight improvement. 
but it's only in the production. Like, I don't think that, like, yeah. she shouldn't change it, shouldn't shake it up too much. She just, it's a better produced version of the song. So I like, I actually like this original better than the 1976 version that she re-recorded. So that's why we're going to focus on that. It feels, it, it has that Motown sound, even though it wasn't produced there. And her vocals are very, sound very soulful and breathy. Again, I was very surprised that it wasn't a bigger hit. Because yeah. much of what makes the other covers we're about to discuss great, the vibe and the theme, they're there. But this feeling, this version feels empowering and like a repudiation. Like it feels like a rejection of the love that she calls tainted. Morgan, what do you think? I agree with you. This this one actually, and don't get me wrong, the next two versions that we play are also, I, I love them. Again, all three of these are standalones, okay. in my opinion. But... Um, this one it tells more of a story yeah whereas the other ones you're kind of just focused on the feel-good moment of like listening to it and you're like all right like, this point. is a good it's song a but but this is this is telling a story and i love it i love how um the intervals change how just the chords the progression i, I love it i love the whole entire song and i'm really happy that actually um that i listened to it because i i love it <laughs> i i was it's ob- It's needless to say, n- neither of us were alive during this time period. I just can't imagine like, like this. Did it not get marketed? Did it not get played on the radio for some reason? Like this is a jam. Like what the fuck? Like, no. Like you said. I mean, really, honestly. I mean, everything that came out during that time period was just liquid gold. Yeah. So I mean, it just might not have. They might have just been like, eh. Got this lost might in the be shuffle, okay. man. The next version we're going to talk about is the more the much more popular version. So it came out in 1981. It was done by uh, Soft Cell. Uh, anyone who's listened to an 80s station has definitely heard this version of the song. It's oh, yeah. very, very popular. It was released as a single in 1981 and then on their album, Nonstop Erotic Cabaret, which great fucking album name. Uh, <laughs> let's give it a listen and I'll give a little bit more background on it. Okay, so let's give it a listen. For I toss and turn, I can't sleep at night Once I ran to you Before you go uh let me give a little bit of background on it that you can springboard off of it was recorded a day and a half with mark Allman's first vocal take being used on the record which anyone who knows anything even even a little bit about uh record producing and music making using just the first take like right off the bat that's pretty fucking incredible uh, right so to expand on that it features a slower tempo than gloria jones's version and this is a little bit more music technique and music theory that I'm not very aware of, but Morgan, you might be able to shed some light on it to some of us like me who are not as familiar with this stuff. Synthesizers and rhythm machines replaced the original guitars, bass, drums, and horns. It rapidly reached number one on the UK singles. It was a best-selling. It was the best-selling single of 1981 in the UK and has sold 1.3 million copies. The song entered the Billboard Hot 100 at number 90 in 1982. It took 19 weeks to crack the U.S. Top 40. The song reached number eight during the summer of 1982 and then spent a record-breaking 43 weeks on the Hot 100. Goddamn. Yeah. 
So what do you? So with all that said, what do you feel like? How how would you describe that musical shift? Like he's basically slowing it down, and what do you think that does for the 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 quality of the song? Well, okay. So again, this is whenever I think of whenever someone says "Tain of Love," I think of this version. Obviously, um, I think most people do. Yeah. So what's interesting to me that I don't know why I just thought about it now, and I guess it is because we are listening to them back to back. Think about it for a second. If that if they took away the backtrack, like you know the, the the synth and everything like that, would it be good? Ooh. Because the original that you played, I'm not gonna lie. If she just came out and sang that, and I happened to walk in and listen to her, I would still jam to it. I'd be like, "Fuck yeah!" But Ooh. this one, I don't know. Like I'd probably be like, "Okay, you you got something there, but maybe you need to build upon that." Yeah, I think the right off the bat, the opening synth and drum machine. Yeah. Intro sets up a distinct mood. It definitely sets up like this is a synth pop motherfucking song right now. Buckle up, right? That's a great question. I never I never would have thought about that. I don't think his voice is bad, but it's not I don't right. think it's, I don't think it's as good as Gloria Jones. Uh, and what's crazy is I've I've never felt like I needed more from that song before until yeah. I heard the original one and I was like, "All right, this girl's jamming." And then you get to this one and it's still great. It's still amazing. I'm always going to love it. Yeah. But it's uh, there's a disconnect there. Okay. That's interesting. I never uh, would have... I didn't come to that conclusion. Yeah. I'll what just, are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll just say that it is an 80s classic. Uh, I think his voice, the tone of it is uh, where I called Gloria Jones's version empowering. I would say that his voice and tenor make the song feel coy, makes it feel very teasing. She's like tainted love and she's like rejecting this but it, he's kind of more like oh tainted love you know just like it's very playful and like and very silly because i think the 80s were a much sillier looser time as far as like oh it's just a pop song don't even worry about it underline looser looser <laughs> giggity and the drum breaks you know the dun dun tainted those are like anytime yeah. i'm dancing this song that's a that's a stomp the ground moment right yeah before we get into the next version i i'll just i'll just give this away I think this this is my favorite version. As much I, I do really? like the Glor- I do like the Gloria Jones version. After finding out about it in doing research and for this episode, I think this is a classic. I, I don't think it could be topped. I think that it's you. Yeah. You might have a point about stripping it away. Just the vocals is so good. I don't know, but what I have the what is present, I right. think it's better. I think it's it's just right. a classic. I've I've enjoyed this song for so many years. I I I'll, I don't think I'll ever get tired of this song. Right, right. It's released the way it is. It's definitely, they, they backed him up right. They gave him enough support, yeah. and his voice echoes. It's it's really good. Um, and, I mean, and he does still have emotion in it, too. I don't want to sound like I think he's monotoned or anything like that. He, he still does get somewhat of a point across. I guess it's just throughout that original, it kind of, each, you know, verse chorus like you, you kind of go with her on yeah. the story and and it shifts and like that one to me like i'm not really like thinking about the words when i listen to to the 1980s version i'm just kind of enjoying the moment that is enjoying that the sense. enjoying the production and the music and the synth yeah. and the drums yeah it's yeah. a great dance song and i guess with dance songs you're not as focused on the lyrics no no not at all i, w- I think that's a fair point i don't disagree with you but i think that it's flawless i think this version is flawless um okay Okay, so let's move on to a more recent, relatively speaking, version. I don't know how popular this is. I've listened to this song for a while. It is popular. It is popular? Okay. (laughs) Yes, it is. I've I've been listening to it since it was released in 2001, and we're talking about the Marilyn Manson cover version. 
it was part of uh, the Not Another Teen Movie soundtrack, which, as bad as that movie is, I love it because it's fucking hilarious. And I remember watching it as a, as an 11-year-old and being like, this is this is great. Uh, young shout out to young just, Chris Evans, man. Pre Captain America, Chris Evans in that in that bitch. Just one thing, real quick. Can we talk about how someone thought, "Holy shit, we gotta get Marilyn Manson." I don't know what album. that was. I guess I guess well, like we it was just a time and place thing. Like it was like, well, it's two thousand one. Who do we have? Like this is an edgy comedy. Let's get an edgy artist. I dude, were you aware? Like I know. Like he, you were you're younger than me, but were you aware of how controversial Marilyn Manson was back in the day? Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. Like he, like he the, still is controversial. He is controversial, but he was such a big deal. Yeah, at that, they, like, they blamed Columbine on him. So yeah. that's like a whole other thing. We could talk about this for hours, but yeah, no, I I, I know what what that boy do. <laughs> okay, so it's just it amazes me, like the the urban legends about this dude and like the controversy and just his like. I just, it's so <laughs> it's so wild to me that he was considered how extreme he was considered looking back in those days <laughs> but let's give it a listen uh and we'll talk about it some more Okay, so I'll just tell you, the first time I ever heard this song, uh, shout out to my cousins, Travis, Hannah, and Seth. Uh, we were, me and my brother were in a car ride. We were going somewhere. I don't remember where. So I remember being in the car. I mean, we were all, like, I was a little kid, and they were all teenagers. I just remember it came on, and my cousin Travis turned this like the volume all the way up, and the sound system was really good in this van, and it was bum, bum. It was loud as fuck, Morgan, and it Fucking in my eleven-year-old, twelve-year-old like mind, that was fucking metal as shit, dude. <laughs> and so, ever since I heard it, th- since I heard it that way, I really believe like every time I listen to this song, I, the volume has to be on max or very high because I don't feel like it's a song you could just listen to like mid-volume. It has to be jacked up because it is such a heavy, like that bass, that electric, that electric rock bass sound. I fucking love it, dude. I love this song, dude. He got to you. <laughs> the devil got to me. <laughs> uh, what do you think? What? How do you feel about it? I have a couple of random thoughts about it. Okay. Also, I just want to go ahead and state that if my mother or anyone in my family is listening to this, this would be the part that you would skip for what I'm about to dive into. Okay. This is your warning. All right. So, first off, I automatically love it from pale person to pale person. Because that's <laughs> <laughs> Solidarity, I get it, I get it. (laughs) I have no idea what it is about Marilyn Manson because when I think about it, like, I don't mind being like, yeah, I like Marilyn Manson. Maybe I'd kind of go see him in concert, but there is something about him that I'm like, fuck yeah, man. And I don't know what it is about this song because I would never ever state that this is the best version of the song ever. It is it is just a fun, like I don't think he meant for it to be like this crazy thing. Like he's just having fun singing this song. Yeah. He's, you know, whatever. But for some reason, I think you gotta fuck to it. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I've never done it. 
But I'm just saying, I think you kind of have to fuck to the song. And maybe it's because the music video... It, oh, it's wild. It's pretty it. wild. It's pretty wild. It's, it's gold. Can we talk about how Marilyn Manson is in a fucking hot tub, which first off, I didn't know he could do with that makeup. And he's in there with all these, like, hot chicks, and they're yeah. just all, like, touching him and shit. Yeah. And I, yeah. And the original, yeah, I mean, the, the cast of the movie is in the video, and it's... It's it, it definitely listen watch it I watch it again today for reference and it definitely yeah. felt like this like there wasn't a culture war back in the day for all kids listening that may not be aware but there definitely was like goth and like emo and like this this straight edge kind of click kind of culture was kind of a thing and it felt like there was like those kids in the school and it, it definitely reminded me of those days where you'd have like you know the preppy looking kids the skateboarding looking kids but then you had that whole uh that whole segment that was the emo goth Black kids. Romance, yeah, I'm not yeah, okay. yeah 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 look this is their porn okay don't be mad about it i'm not but... hating i'm not hating i'm just it just reminded <laughs> me of like oh yeah i guess that was a thing back in the day I think we should make our own capstone or something that gets sent to the aliens, and we should put this music video in there because it, honest to God, is gold. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I was never a big Marilyn Manson fan. I always thought he was too off-putting for me. Like, just, no. I like some of his music. Like, he, he makes some pretty good music. Some music that I've listened to, I'm like, Ugh. he's got a very good ear for heavy metal, like, electronic heavy metal but otherwise, I'm not like – if you would be like, hey, I got two tickets. Hey, John, when you're in town next time, I got two tickets to Marilyn Manson. I'd be like, I'm good. I don't need to do that. That's fine. Oh, man. I don't know what it is. I think it's – like it, it happens to me – okay, again, this is a TMI section. It happens to me at least maybe once or twice a year where if he called me and was like, hey, because you know that's how he sounds. <laughs> Dude, he's like 50-something at this point, right? <laughs> Yes, and I follow his Instagram, I know, if he was like, hey, so, I got my stilts and my my latex, you want to come over and, like, fuck around, oh I probably would be like, yes, oh God, twice a year, the rest of the year, I'm like, nah, fam, we good, I'll be your friend and shit, and we can talk about some, like, conspiracy theories and shit, but Two times a year. I don't know what it is. Your Marilyn Manson voice is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That was great, Morgan. Uh, I'm just saying. uh, But but side note, the Beautiful People music video, I still uh, can't watch to this uh, day. He's fucking terrifying in uh, that. I'm good. I'm I'm all right. (laughs) He was weird. I remember my mother was like, I can't believe he would use Charles Manson's name like that. I'm like... I don't think the whole band does. The whole, Kathy, the whole band <laughs> has a supermodel and then has a, a killer afterwards. Mine would be, I already know what my name would be. I've thought about this, John. If I was in his band, I would straight up be, it would be Heidi Klum and Jeffrey Dahmer. I would be Heidi Dahmer. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I can't name any, I don't know any male supermodels except like Zoolander off the you top of my head. You don't have to be male. I'm not get, We're not doing this. All right, come on. Let's, we're moving on. <laughs> how about uh, how about your how about your one of the Jenner, what's the Jenner chick's name? Not Kylie, the other one. Uh, Kendall. You could be Kendall. Let's see, Kendall Gacy. <laughs> Kendall Gacy. <laughs> I'll go by Ken Gacy. <laughs> Dude, that is such a drag name too. But that okay, is a drag anyway. <laughs> name. Uh, well, th- thank you. Now I have a drag name. If I ever want to indulge in that lifestyle, uh, 
I have that step accomplished. Step you couldn't walk in heels. Don't even, don't even try. I'd to have to shave my that. legs, and my legs are very hairy. But back to the song. It is like this. It's a jam for me. I think it's a jam. I don't. It's definitely not the best version. Soft sells. No, me. it's not. But it's a I fun song. I literally don't have anything to say about the song besides what I think about Marilyn Manson. Like literally, Ooh. I. It's it's not a song that would be like holy shit. I'm gonna fight you over this song if you don't like it. Like yeah. I'm not gonna lose blood or sleep over it. But it's a jam. It is a jam. I think we can agree <laughs> on that. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the next song. It's my last song. And then we'll move on to your last song, and then we'll call it a night. This has been such a fucking fun conversation. It's like it's almost it's eleven o'clock right now, and I'm having so much fun. The next song we're gonna talk about is kind of a cheesy song. I, it's one of these like you know guilty pleasure songs for me. It's "Heaven Is a Place on Earth" by Belinda Carlisle. Uh, it yes. came out in 1987 on her "Heaven on Earth" album. It was written by Rick Knowles and Ellen Shipley. Little background on, Bel- on Belinda Carlisle for anyone who may not be aware. She's the former lead singer of the Go-Go's, a very popular 80s band, 80s all-girl band who, you know, first, like, real popular female band that, you know, wrote, produced, performed all their own music. But they broke up in 1985, and she launched a solo career afterwards. This song was nominated for... I want your opinion on this. This song was nominated for the Grammy Award for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance in 1988, but lost to Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. Who, oh, I, I get it. I want to stick up for Belinda Carlisle, but I'm like, I, I want to be I want to be on your side. But that Whitney Houston, no. eight, late 80s Whitney Houston was like undefeated. Like you can't. She didn't have to go that hard for us, and she went that hard. And this was before cocaine. <laughs> right? Uh, Those key changes? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so some more technical information, and again, Morgan, if you want to, if you care to uh, elaborate, if you can on this. So the song is performed in the key of E major with a tempo of 123 beats per minute and in, in common time. Carlisle's vocal, vocals span from E3, E3 to D5. I don't know what I don't know what I'm reading here. In the final chorus, the the key is trans, transposed to F major. I think that's a big deal. Is that a big deal? Yes. Okay, we'll go with that's a big deal. Uh, <laughs> here, here, in, in layman's terms, her voice be good, okay? <laughs> her voice be good, okay. I, I am going to include this version as well. On the, on the single that this was released as, obviously they include like one or two versions of the song on a single. Uh, there is a heavenly version, which is a much more 80s synth new wave version, and I recommend people check it out because it's a, it's a nice little, like... It's a nice little uh, alteration of the of the main song. And I, I, I don't think it's better, but I definitely think it's worth checking out. So let's give it a listen, and then we'll discuss it. Again, I, I need to reiterate, I do not feel very manly, like, enjoying that song. Because it's such a cheesy power ballad, man. Like, and I feel hella soft for liking it. But it's such a catchy-ass song, Morgan. And her vocals are, she's so talented. And she's such a great singer in this and when she was part of the Go-Go's. And the harmonies in the chorus are fantastic. In, but her her voice throughout is just doing so much heavy lifting. I really like this song, and I really wish I didn't. 
I think it's a song when you're in seven minutes in heaven. Oh, great. Yes. Like middle school, middle school slumber party or middle school, like hangout. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> spin the bottle time. Let's do it. Did you ever, for the record, have you ever played spin the bottle when you were a kid? Absolutely. I did too. I was like expecting a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe where I was like, so when does second base come into this? Like, I'm like, okay, maybe tap the brakes floor as you're like 12. Shut up. <laughs> uh, 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 so, uh, so what do you think about the song? Do you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. I also agree, too. Like, I mean, I'm not going to listen to it every day or anything, but if it comes along, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, it's like one of those songs you're driving, you know, maybe commuting to work, you catch it on the radio or catch it listening to your music or whatever, and you're just like, yeah, I can listen. I can rock out to this song by myself, and, you know, fucking let's go at it, right? Like, go, <laughs> let's let's do it, all right? I, I it's, it's, it's one of those, like, if... If I was listening to it on my phone, like I would be sure to make sure nobody saw that I was listening to it. Like, and it's not it, it, that's that's a, that reflects poorly on me, not on the song. So, quick question: yeah. So then, would you would you listen to "I Want to Dance with Somebody" and be okay with everybody letting you? Yeah, but that's like, fucking Whit- that? that's fucking Whitney Houston. Everybody loves See, Whitney Houston. See, that's why it won. <laughs> yeah. that's Whitney Houston man 80s Whitney again 80s 90s Whitney Houston is fucking like god mode like sh- no you don't fuck with that yeah I, she was the freaking fairy godmother in the black Cinderella okay the, the, the oh best Cinderella to date sorry only, only you would pull that out of your uh, out of out of the bag uh Okay, so let's. Did you not? Sorry, did you not see that role? Did you not see that? I have watched it. I watched it probably when <sighs> I was a young kid. I don't care. Oh about my Cinderella. god! Oh wow! Okay, that's that's another thing that you're you're fucked up for that. That is a quality movie. Yeah, it had, it had Brandy as Cinderella, right? Hell yes, it did. It did. And legit, I wanted to be Brandy. <laughs> uh, not to get too far off topic here, but Whitney Houston did have a pretty successful acting career in the '90s. I really enjoyed her in The Preacher's Wife. And uh, bodyguard, so now that might have been the cocaine, but yeah. (laughs) Okay, Uh, okay. So moving on, I stumbled upon this cover version very recently, like probably last year at some point. Like I think I heard it. Somebody posted it on social media, like in an IG story or Twitter or something. I don't, I don't really exactly remember where, but it is the MXPX featuring Emily Whitehurst, aka Agent M, version of heaven is a place on earth it was on mxpx's on the cover two uh which is a sequel to their obviously on the cover one album that came out in 1995 the second one came out in 2009 i was not very aware of mxpx until like i stumbled upon them last year they're an american punk band from washington they were founded in 1992 they've been around for a minute i think they're still you know active for anyone not aware i listened to their music and i kind of got the feel that they're like a poor man's blink 182 uh <laughs> But, they, but I think they predated Blink-182, so what are you going to do, right? But Emily Whitehurst, I was not familiar with her at all. She began her music career by fronting the pop rock band Tsunami Bomb. After that disbanded in 2005, she co-founded and fronted The Action Design, a rock group. Since 2012, Whitehurst has been working on her synth-driven indie pop project, Survival Guide. Anyone who's curious about these two albums that I mentioned by MXPX, On the Cover and On the Cover 2, they got some good. they got some other versions of covers on there and they're pretty good i i i would recommend checking them out um so let's give it a listen and we'll discuss it
Morgan, I imagine you hadn't heard this uh, version of the song until I, I mentioned it to you. What do you, what were your react? What was your reaction to it? Doesn't hold up to the original. Okay. Yeah. I dig it. Okay. But I knew the original. I don't. I feel weird when I say that because there are sometimes where like I'll hear a cover and I'm like immediately like oh hell yeah like I dig that. But for some reason, I knew the original too well that I. I it's like I wasn't open to hearing the cover, if that makes sense. Yeah. I actually, this may surprise you, I'll acknowledge that the Belinda Carlisle version is superior, but I okay. connect on this on a more personal level. Like, oh, okay. I think I would prefer this version because I was, this might not surprise you, a white, a white male kid growing up in the suburbs, I was really into pop punk in the early 2000s and late 90s and stuff. So, like... You know, that new metal phase transition into, like, pop punk, you know, your Blink-182s and stuff. And I, I kind of carried it all throughout high school into my Fallout Boy years and stuff. So I'm a really th- – this sound, it's it's a pop punk cover version of this song. And I was a, I was a really big fan. Like, that was, like I, – I li- obviously, I'd been into music before that. Like, I was raised on, like – Motown, you know, uh, oldies, you know, a little bit of country, a little bit. Like I said, my mom was kind of into country music for a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I grew up on Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and boy bands. But I really felt like the first genre of music that I chose, like myself, that wasn't like provided to me, but I went out and sought it out my own, was this pop punk sound. So I think that this version of the song is not as good as the Belinda Carlisle version, but I I do connect on it on a personal level because it's very nostalgic for me. It, it captures... Even though it came out 10 years ago, it still came out in 2009, kind of when that phase of pop punk was dying out. Maybe it's still active. I don't know. I've kind of kind of outgrown it. It taps into nostalgia for me. That's why I really like this version. I really like this Emily Whitehurst. I really like her vocals. I, re- I think she's she's a really good singer. And so, I don't know. It just feels, just feels lively. It makes me feel like a teenager again, which... You know, not the maturity level of a teenager, but it captures an age of, you know, a bygone age, I guess, in my own personal life. So, do you think if you wouldn't have had that type of genre that you liked back then, and you heard the song, do you think that you would still like it? Not as much. But then again, again, I don't feel cheesy listening to this version. I definitely feel cheesy listening to the Brenda Carlisle version. Uh, So, I I don't know. I I do think it's a good, it's a well-produced song. I think that it, it it's not a bad cover on its own. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. That's a that's an interesting question. I didn't think about it like that. But it just it just makes me feel like I don't know. It it makes me feel like I have a CD player and I'm listening to a CD on like a Saturday afternoon, something like that, where I'm in my room drawing because I would listen to yeah. like pop punk or playing video games on my like on my Dreamcast or PS One or you know PS Two at that time. But it just it just it just made me feel like oh man those were some fun that was some fun times but yeah so do you have anything else to say on it I I, I really dig it and I, I I think that it is not again it's not the better version but it connects on me so I wouldn't say either version I guess the Belinda Carlisle's version is better it just, you just made me speaking. think of playing Sonic for some reason yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it, it just reminds me of like you know my teenage years my my, my middle school. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, do you have anything else to say on it? You want to go to this last song? Let's go to the last one. Okay. Anyway, all right. So last one, and again, we're not doing the questions. Uh, we're we're just gonna 
We're going to go out on a bang because Morgan, I forgot, I literally forgot you were on an episode earlier this year. <laughs> My mind is always focusing on the next episode. I forget that I do episodes. Like, I'm like, not hey. that it was a forgetful episode. Not though. at all. It was one of the best episodes I think we've ever done. A lot. I did get, I did get comments on it. I was like, oh yeah, I really dug that. I was like, oh, thank you, man. We, we, we try. We, I try to do a little bit, you know, anyway. So I, if you haven't listened to that episode, me and Morgan tackle a very serious issue. We did it over the summer. I recommend that episode. Uh, but you know, keep put your big boy pants on. No, all right. It's not for the lighthearted. It's not lighthearted conversation. Uh, right. So okay. So this was your song. We learned a lot about this song in discussing it because, like, I was not as another one where we were not aware that this was a cover, and uh, right. it's a pretty. It was a pretty big deal in the '90s. Like I remember this song like being a big deal. So let's talk about it. It is. Well, it's kind of weird. It, the The original has a different name than the cover. So we'll talk about the original first. It's called okay. Seferin. It's by Curtis Muldoon. It was released in 1971 on their on their debut album. So Curtis Muldoon, it's a two-man band. It's comprised of Dave Curtis and Clive Muldoon. They're a folk music duo from England. They broke up in 1973 when their second album was released, and Muldoon died, unfortunately, in 1978 due to, and I'm quoting here, complications from prescription medication so which does not sound very pleasant so let's give it a listen and i think people might recognize it i don't know do you think people would recognize it if they didn't know what the cover was uh i think you have to listen pretty closely yeah it was hard to which segment to select from this song because i'm like you kind of want it to kind of tie in it's like i don't know we'll see and i think the song We'll, we'll we'll talk about it, but the song gets it fluctuates. It it, it does yeah. a lot of different things in this song. So let's give it a listen. And I feel like I've just got Okay, so it's definitely a folk song, but it's a very experimental folk song. Morgan, what do you yeah. think of it? This was one of your songs. What do you think? So I didn't know that this was the original, and I know we're going to talk about the cover in a minute. Mm-hmm. But listening to it, especially because um, I know that literally the cover is pretty much almost identical as far as the words go. Yes. I was looking for them, looking for the lyrics, mm-hmm. which we just showed a snippet of it but to me this song is like you just finished an episode of breaking bad yeah and this is like playing at the end like it's just a it's an ending song to me like it's not a i want to go out and listen to this or like oh man i'm seeing them in concert i can't wait until this song plays Mm -hmm. it's just a has to fit at the perfect time to me and i mean i I don't know why i don't dislike it but it definitely is is doesn't stand out to me yeah i think i really dig this version like i i i added this to my own library on my oh wow yeah i think it's i dig it i want to i'm gonna look listen to it a few more times throughout the week this coming week and i really want to see what i think about it i think i can find something deeper in it because i think it has more substance than uh, again i'm not trying to be unfair to the next version but like i think it has more substance and i think it's more contemplative and I, th- I think it carries a pretty sorrowful tone, and I think that I need to – I want to, you know, mull it over a little bit longer a few more times. Uh, I think both versions are definitely very much of their time. Um, 
Like okay. this, this definitely feels like a '70s folk song, and uh, yeah, I don't know. The slower tempo appeals to me more. Like I think, I think that it's it's more of my vibe. Because it's very movie esque. Yes, it's very cinematic. I think you were right on the head with that. I think it's very cinematic. Like you could you could write like your your after your if you're writing a third act after your climax, you've reached your resolution. You this is the song you write off to. It could be a song for a western. It could be song to. Which this breaking is the back. end of Barry or some shit. Like, you yeah. just finished a season of Barry. Oh, my God. It's it's really good. But let's move on to the more famous version, because we got a lot to talk about this, because this is a very story. I had a lot of research to talk about on this on this one, because I think it's a very If you're okay with this, I would like to introduce this one, because I feel like mm-hmm. you, you hate on the artist a little oh too much, God. you Here and Ben, as we, we discussed go. earlier this week. So let me just go ahead and give it the All correct right. introduction. Right. So this is... The cover, which I thought was the original, mm-hmm. titled Ray of Light by the one and only very talented artist who is still talented and fantastic and has more than one hit, Madonna. I didn't say she only had one hit. I said she only had one great song. Oh, my God. We had a very long conversation about <laughs> Madonna. I've had, I've had this conversation with many people, and I legitimately i i wouldn't i guess flustered isn't the right word but i i I, one of my aunts caught feelings because i was talking down on madonna because i was like she's all right like i mean i get her cultural and historical significance but i'm not i mean she's kind of confessions on a dance floor album by itself literally is flipping you off and telling you to go fuck yourself right now i'll say this and i've said it to you i've said it to multiple people she's had a lot of good songs she's had a lot of good songs like Madonna in the '80s, I'm like, gosh, she made some, she made some pretty good songs, but she only has one legitimately great song, in my opinion, and that is "Like a Prayer," which is a fucking, that is an '80s classic, that is a timeless song. That song is amazing, but the rest, upper good to middle good for me. Like I'm like, oh, damn, yeah, they're fine. Like some of her '80s songs, I like, like I can dance to that, but like, I think as far as like her '90s song, like "Take a Bow" is really good, and Ray of Light is very good. I have both and Beautiful Stranger. Like I have those three on my on my in my library. But uh Did you listen to Confessions on a Dance Floor? I remember that song. No, it's an album. I remember the song though from it and I'm like, Oh, this is pretty good. She looked good for like being forty. I was like, Oh she, she was fifty. Oh wow, okay, damn. Yeah. Anyway, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, <laughs> let's give it a listen, all right? Okay, so let me before you, I'll let you go, but let me give this. I think it has a very interesting story of how it arrived to where it arrived. So in 1996, Christine Leach, Muldo- Muldoon's niece, had recorded her version of the track. Leach said she'd always loved the duo's work. Uh, we're talking about Curtis Muldoon here, and Seferin was her favorite. She worked for a time with William Orbit and recorded an almost eight-minute demo of Seferin over a melody he was working on. Leach rewrote the chorus and also removed a few bits from the original composition. Orbit included it on a 13-track digital audio tape he sent to Madonna, thinking Leach had written the song. 
After Madonna had heard the demo, she liked it and reworked the lyrics to create Ray of Light. Curtis, who was still alive at this point, again, it was Clive Muldoon had passed away. Sorry, I think I botched that. But Curtis was still alive. He was not aware of the fact that that Madonna had recorded Seferin as a ray of light and heard it for the first time being played on the radio. He couldn't believe it, and he was initially a bit annoyed, but became pleased when Madonna with what Madonna had done with the, his original composition. This is my favorite bit. I'd say all that to get to this point. It says he was also satisfied with the 15% royalties he received as a songwriting credit. Absolutely. Absolutely, because this was a hit. So Ray of Light is, let me go further. Ray of Light is an electronic dance music song, has stylistic influences from acid electronica. I think that's very evident. Okay, according to a biographer uh, who wrote in Madonna Like an Icon, Orbit, the producer, created a sense around like atmosphere in the track which madonna which sees madonna deepen her dance roots and go for a more electric sound so we have a few credited writers uh the songwriters were madonna william orbit the producer clive muldoon and david curtis the original artist and christine leach she got credit for it as well okay so just this last bit and i'll let you go of course Uh, according to madonna the verses are a mystical look at the universe and how small we are compared to it she wanted to capture the feeling of wonderment with the lyrics as if someone had just opened their eyes and looked at the world for the first time. Oh, my God. Pretentious much? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Fuck off. Madonna further clarified that the lyrics convey the feeling of being small in comparison to the vast universe. It also talks about how regular life goes on faster than the speeding light, but one can get out of that journey and look at themselves from an outsider's perspective. I'll just lastly say this. It has a very, it's a very iconic music video. It's a very, I remember this... Like it's a very even much though a, nothing happens in it. Yeah, Sorry. it's a very it's very much a product of the '90s, the song and the music video, and the and, jean jacket. Yeah, and it, it, it it's also part of this declining MTV era. It it got heavy. I remember it got heavy rotation on MTV, and I also really love that it was parody on Family Guy. I'm gonna include the link to that parody <laughs> when Peter tries Red Bull for the first time because I thought that was hilarious. It's it's pretty spot on. So Morgan, what do you think about the song? This was yours. How how. How does it rank for you as far as her songs? This is actually my favorite Madonna song. Wow. Wow. Okay. I don't know why. It makes me really happy. Okay. I love this song. I just love it. It makes me, like I said, really, really happy. And it's always fun to sing. I think it's a girl power song. I know she's stating it's more about being alone with yourself in the universe. So that could be anybody. But I don't know why. I feel like it's a, it's a girl that is on her own and is empowered by the fact that she's on her own. This also was just a nostalgia trip for me because I remember this being a big deal in the 90s. But I, I, I think that it's a good song to dance to. Like if you're on a dance floor and this comes on, you're like, oh yeah, fucking let's go. But the song and the video are like too frenetic for me. It's also, I said it's nostalgic, but it also feels very drenched in 90s residue, especially the music video. I wondered, I wrote here as a note, I was like, maybe drugs enhance the experience. Like, what? maybe being on drugs make this song, like, even more incredible. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not willing to try it, but maybe one day. I, I As I said earlier, uh, it is one, it, it's one of her 90s songs I like, and I think it's one of the better ones, but I think Take a Bow is a better, is a better song than this that she released in the 90s. I, I'll give her props. She's uh, props to her adaptability and her ability to reinvent and her 
willingness to try new things. Like this doesn't sound like anything she was doing like five or ten years before. And I gotta say, William Orbit's production is fucking top shelf. Like this song sonically is incredible. Like it's like it has so much wonderful production going on and you could tell that he really worked from like an electronic like i said sound that was very popular in the 90s like i really dig the sound of this but it's fun but i don't again it's 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 just because i remember the song being a big deal wow i'm sorry i don't mean to like shit on your favorite song but like it it's fine i enjoy it i love it so so what do you what do you think is your favorite parts of it like is it is it her vocals or is it the the pace? Is it the upbeat tempo? What do you, what do you think if you had to break it down for us? I think it is her vocals. I, I really like the chorus. Mm-hmm. How do you think it compares to the original? Let's talk about that. I think it's too different. Like it, I definitely could tell. Obviously, like I mean, she took a whole bunch from it, a lot from it. And then probably presented it to this group that was like, just like you said, oh, 90s. And then just like sprayed a whole bunch of 90s bullshit on it. And then, you know, called it a day. But I think that they're two different moods entirely. They're for two different types of people. Two different types of eras. Like, I definitely can see where they're they're sectioned off. Yeah. Um, Kind of like Tainted Love. Like the the first and the second one that we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. So, I, I think they're both untouchable in that sense Mm -hmm. but then i can also state that i think the reason why i really like ray of light is just like how you were saying nostalgia i don't know why i just remember being like really young Mm -hmm. and being really happy and liking that song and that song always makes me happy yeah you know what i would compare it to i remember listening to a lot of people don't like this song but obla d obla da by the beatles a yeah. lot of people hate that song, but I remember really? listening to it as a kid. Like I think Obla D Obla Da won like a contest once. I remember seeing this. Like it was the most despised song in the UK. Like it like people like genuinely don't like that song. But wow. it's such a happy, fun song that I really love it. Yeah. I gotta get I think Christine Leach deserves a lot of credit because I listened to her demo, which I'm including with this episode. Uh, I didn't include a snippet of it because I didn't want to, you know, I thought we would be running long and I didn't want to muddy the water any further. But I encourage everyone to listen to it because it's very much like this Ray of Light is very much a, a better produced version of her version of Sephirin. Like if you listen to it, you, you realize like she did a lot of the work. And I'm not, I'm not, right. trying, I'm not saying that to undermine Madonna, because like Madonna's vocals are much better than Christine Leach's on there. Sorry to Miss Leach, no disrespect. And William Orbit, I think it was a much, it was a very productive collaboration between three very talented people. And I dig it, I really do dig it. But I, again, do I think that it, you know, I, I don't think like again, Madonna's all right, man. She's fine. Like she just doesn't. I just don't connect with her on a, like, a deeper level than just like, oh, yeah, Madonna. Like she's like like, – I, 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 like, this may sound disrespectful, but I, like Bruce Springsteen. I'm like I don't connect to Bruce Springsteen. I like some Bruce Springsteen songs, but I'm not like Bruce is my idol, man. Yeah, man. And I guess I boss. hate to say this too. Like I hate to phrase it this way, but you're also not a woman. Yeah, again. Like – Yeah, again. I said I understand her cultural and historical significance, significance especially to women. I completely understand that. Like, she, because, I mean, think about it. Her age, and she's still going. Yeah. And she, I mean, she still dances just as hard as she did yeah. in the 80s. 
and she is always trying to rebrand herself, but yet still stay true to herself. And you know, let me ask you this: what do you, What do you think Twilight era Madonna sounds like? What What do you think she does when she's about to hang up the hang it all up? What, do you think that first off, do you ever think she'll retire? And two, what do you think her like last phase is going to sound like? I think her last phase is going to sound absolutely like shit. Uh, <laughs> I think. What hasn't she done? Like, hip-hop, like, legitimately rapping, I think is the only thing I've never heard Madonna do. (laughs) She gets a ludicrous and they just bust out (laughs) of... She's also, like, a lot of Bond fans hate her because apparently a lot of people hate her Die Another Day Bond song, which, eh, it's it's not the best, but I don't think it's unlistenable, but I guess that's a conversation for another day, but... So, yeah, what do you think she sounds like? You think it's shitty? I think it would probably be shitty because, I mean, she's she's done a lot. Yeah. You know? Um, but I kind of think that about any artist. After a while, the magic's kind of got to stop. Yeah. I and maybe, know, yeah. maybe it won't be 100% like what I would expect. Like, say, like Adele to come out with an album like I expect it to be gold. Yeah. Like, maybe it would be like 75%. Mm-hmm. Still good, still better than I could write. Yeah, exactly. Like for her, for her standards, like I guess in your mind, the high standards that she has. <laughs> Shit. I'm sorry, dude. Like I'm trying to be respectful here, but like again. Like, all I'm gonna do, I'm gonna put some shit together for you, and I'm gonna make you watch it. And then after you watch that or listen to it, then you can tell me, and I will respect your opinion. But before that, I can't. Sorry. <laughs> it's again. It's like. If you had told me Madonna had retired like five years ago, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Jesus Christ. Like, again, I don't really... (laughs) I have this conversation. Not going to include this, but... But it's funny. It's really women... Women take Madonna way, like, way more serious than I do. So, yeah. Uh, so wrapping up, any last words on Ray of Light? Sephira and Ray of Light? Just that, that you're wrong about Madonna. I mean, <laughs> Just wait until really like, next year when we do a Celine Dion song, and then we'll really talk. Dude, I'm literally, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is about Celine Dion, but I automatically feel like I've been broken up with in the most vile way. <laughs> Every time I listen to something by her, I've been wronged. Maybe next, maybe next year we'll do a Celine. We'll we'll sneak a Celine Dion song in there. Uh, you would have to get Alexis to come on the pod for that because that that's that's her. That's her queen. She has been on, man. Maybe that's the next thing we do. Next time we do it, we'll have, we'll bring a third person on. Uh, oh man! And we can have Ben on, and he can talk about how we're oh, such shit. music noobs and shit. <laughs> Jesus. Actually, we we had him on. I had been on earlier this year for a music episode, and it wasn't that bad. Um, although he did he did go out of his way to pick hipster ass songs. We told him specifically, don't pick hipster ass. Anyway, let's let's people go listen to that episode. It's a pretty good episode. See, uh, it's good that you don't videotape us talking either, because Ben probably was making his face and doing his hand movements and shit. <laughs> oh man. Uh, and he was in our in our office, so he's probably like drinking some like IPA <laughs> that probably has some like story about how it was like brewed and shit. Oh my god! Anyway. With his Velociraptor T-shirt. Sorry. <laughs> Wrapping up. Let's not talk. Let's not be someone who's not on here to join us to defend themselves. Anyway, so wrapping up. I think we had a great. 
great assortment of songs. And I really think everyone listening, I think you should check out all the songs. And I think if you really dig them, you should dig, dive deep on these people, on each of their catalogs and stuff. Uh, but yeah, man, I really, I think the first song, you know, The Lover Speaks, uh, Annie Lennox, uh, No More I Love Yous. Again, I like the original much better than the than the cover. The Promise, I love, I think I made it very evident, made it very clear that how much I love the Sturgill Simpson version. <laughs> and then lastly, the the Heaven is a Place on Earth. I like both versions, but for very, but for two different reasons. One is like objectively, like yes, Belinda Carlisle's version is better, but the MXPX with Emily Whitehurst, I'm like that, that takes me back to a, to a special time in my life. So anything you want to say about your songs before we call it a night? Yeah, I've said everything I need to say, but I do have one question for you, or okay. actually one one thing I would like for you to try. Okay. Could you try to do Marilyn Manson's voice real quick? Oh my god. <laughs> okay, hold on. I gotta I gotta not laugh for a second. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Ah, All right. Uh, Morgan. Uh, <laughs> The beautiful people. The beautiful people. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. <laughs> oh my god! You did it much oh. better than me. You that was perfect. That was fucking hilarious, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, it really happens. It happens twice a year where I'm like, you know, Marilyn Manson really is fuckable. Like, and then I just like am repulsed by the fact that I even think that it's like a full like a, moon it's like like it's like it passes like through the night and the next the next like 30 days or like six like like six months you're like ew and then like that one night though you're like mm, yes well and or it's like you know how guys with porn art when you when you're jerking it you're like this is the greatest thing ever then after you finish you're just like what the fuck am I doing I'm a monster <laughs> I'm so ashamed yeah, of myself that's how I feel but again I do feel I do do feel tied to him we're, we're both very pale and yeah he would understand the sunscreen situation so alright guys that's gonna do it for us tonight I really appreciate y'all listening uh, I really appreciate Morgan as always for being on the pod and just generally being in my life please like and subscribe share comment reach out to me on social media feel free tell me I'm an idiot about Madonna or tell me I'm right I would love to rub it in Morgan's face I tend to be right no. a lot of the times and Morgan usually suffers no. for it so absolutely not absolutely not we're and not, also we're not talking about that a better Marilyn Manson voice <laughs> I think that you're the clear, I'll concede you're a clear winner in that one. Thank you all for listening, Morgan. Thank you for being on. I'll probably talk to you either tomorrow or during the week because we just talk like very regularly. That's gonna do it for us tonight, like guys. Any last any farewells, Morgan? Any last words? No. And what did I end the last one with? Did I say Bush did nine eleven? Oh my God. <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my God. Morgan. It's late. I'm sorry. Okay, what could I end this with? The federal government blew up the levees, and that's what happened in Katrina. Damn, that's a good one. Okay, okay, let's see if I got anything else. Shit. Oh my god, I don't know. Did you? We we all need to storm Area 51. That's that's what we need to do. Oh, Naruto run. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> okay, we're rambling. Let's let's call it a night, man. Thank you for doing okay. this. I love you. Give my love to love Ben you. and Emmy and Max as well and your mother and Tommy. Okay. Bye. Right, I'll talk to you later. Good night.